You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. For the first time in the new year of 2017, talking Brewers baseball today on this January 4th with Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter. Adam, thank you as always for the time. And, uh, you know, we're kind of in that uh, that low period right now, uh, you know, between the holidays and uh, the start of spring training. And I know that uh, because it's that low, it is kind of a popular time for fans to kind of flood the inbox with questions. I know you get many of those from Brewers Nation. So, uh, Adam, with that in mind, uh, what question or concern are you hearing the most from fans as they look forward to what they hope is a uh, bounce-back 2017 season? Well, I actually wrote about this right before the holidays uh, after clearing out my inbox. And and the top, at least volume-wise, question is how they're going to sort out this starting rotation. The the Brewers sneakily were very good – uh, had very good starting pitching down the stretch last season, August and September. They were as good or better than teams like the Cubs and Nationals that had those top rotations throughout the season. It was a pretty stunning turnaround from the beginning of the year where the Brewers had the worst starting pitching in baseball, and guys like Willie Peralta fell off, was sent down. Taylor Youngman fell off and was sent down. Uh, they finished very strong, and now they've got all those players back, um, plus uh, a newcomer in a Tommy Malone who they brought in on sort of a, a non-guaranteed flyer-type contract. They've got some prospects who are uh, getting close to the big leagues, especially Josh Hader, who's considered their top-pitching prospect. He finished last year at AAA, so that puts right on the cusp of the big leagues. So they've got basically too many bodies for you know the five-man opening day rotation. And the question I get from fans, and this happens every year, is how, how is that five-man rotation going to flush out um and david stearns and craig council told us last spring and they're telling us again now that that's the wrong question to ask because if you look around the game basically no teams get through a season with five starters um i think last year the brewers used nine different starting pitchers that sounds about right it's, it, i think eight is about the average for a team and there have been years where where the brewers have gotten up into double digits so they're looking at this as more of a, a large group and they like the depth that they have um and uh, we'll see if they retain all those guys. They, they are getting some calls on their starting pitchers uh, as, as teams look to acquire contending teams. And the Brewers are in a position where they could trade one of these guys if they choose. Um, but they also have a lot of flexibility to go into camp with uh, too many guys for too few spots. And David Stearns has said many times he's perfectly happy to do that and, and figure it out as spring training goes along. Yeah, I know that uh, you know David Stearns, as you said, and Craig Council, this is a, a good situation to be in where you've got guys competing, as you said, too many bodies for too few spots in that rotation. With that said, Adam, is there anybody in this mix, whether it's Davies, whether it's Guerra, that you can absolutely pinpoint right now as a mortal lock to be a starter in that rotation come opening day uh, in 2017, or is it so wide open that you really can't pinpoint any one guy and say he is absolutely going to be in that rotation? Well, I think Zach Davies is going to be in that rotation. I don't see them trading Zach Davies. He's 23 years old. He's kind of a, a, a in the style of Kyle Hendricks, and he looks like he's a, a, a guy you can sort of develop around. 
So I don't see him getting traded. He's in there. And I think Jimmy Nelson is close to a lock. Uh, look, I, uh, Brewers fans were really disappointed in Jimmy Nelson's performance uh, down the stretch last year. Jimmy Nelson was very uh, disappointed in his own performance. He has the stuff to be really good in the major leagues, and it hasn't happened for him yet. But, but this happens with pitchers. Um, Jake Arrieta is, is like everybody's prime example of a guy with great stuff who took a long time, longer than fans in Baltimore wanted to put it together. Uh, so I don't think that they're just all of a sudden going to give up on Jimmy Nelson. In fact, David Stearns was even asked, because of the the large number of bodies that they have for these starting spots, would they consider Jimmy Nelson in the bullpen because that's a need of this team right now? And the answer was unequivocally no, that they're, that Jimmy Nelson's a starting pitcher and he's going to be back as a starting pitcher. So I think he's the other guy. You know, Junior Guerra, performance-wise, if he's in a Brewers uniform, he's a lock to be in the rotation. He was really good last year. And it, it didn't, you know, it, this is good raw stuff. It's upper 90s with that good split. It's not smoke and mirrors. Um, the question is, is he a potential trade chip? And, and when, you know, let's say Chris Archer gets traded and some of the other uh, more notable uh, potential trade chips get dealt or stay put, I think teams could turn to a guy like Junior Guerra as an option. So I think, you know, they do. The, the key to this whole thing from, from Milwaukee's point of view is, this is not just too many bodies uh, for five spots, and they're just that, bodies. They feel like they've got some talented arms there that are potential guys to build around, and I think it starts with Davies and Nelson. Now, Adam, uh, shifting gears a little bit, one thing I found interesting in a recent article of yours was that uh, David Stearns has been reluctant, uh, you know, the past year or two, to kind of put a timetable on this entire rebuilding effort. Now, on one hand, I completely understand why, because it's a no-win situation if you come out and say, yeah, we'll contend this year, or no, we're not going to contend this year. It's going to take another year or two. That's something a GM never wants to say in front of a hot mic. You know, At the same time, though, can that position or lack thereof kind of be frustrating for the fan base because, again, they're fans, and they want some sort of clarification as to when they can expect to be cheering for a contender. Again, it's I understand you know, both sides of the coin here, but where do you kind of fall on this? Well, I, I think that the, the most important thing that it started with Mark Hasanasio and really with Doug Melvin did was to not try to label what they're doing as anything other than a rebuild. Uh, they were pretty straightforward from the first day of this. It began with firing Ron Renicki and uh, moving Craig Council into the manager's seat that they were going to take a number of years to rebuild this farm system that they had depleted in uh, particular the, the 2011 run that they made. Um, and, and they asked for patience from the start. So I don't think that there are people clamoring for a timetable of when this is going to happen. Um, one of the questions that I, I, I put in a story about uh, 2017, some of the issues this team faces is, is this the year that they turn the corner in their rebuild? Their rebuild's been a little bit different from the teams that really, uh, the, the most recent examples, the Cubs and the Astros. You know, those teams lost 100 games. They really bottomed out. This Brewers team hasn't really done that. It's been a little bit different um, uh, process for them. They were better than expected last year. Um, so the thought, and, and, you know, this was kind of the thought from the beginning, because they got a head start under their previous GM who, made some of the big trades that began this rebuild, um, perhaps this could be a, a shorter process than other clubs. 
So it is, it, I think it's a little different than the Cubs and Astros. Those are about five years. Perhaps the Brewers could do it in four. Um, and in that case, you'd like to see further development in 2017 from some of these guys you've identified as core players. I think Jonathan Villar is in that group. You'd like to see their center fielder, Keon Broxton, be in that group. Some of the pitchers we talked about, starting with Zach Davies, you'd like to see take another step forward. And if that happens, I think you could start to look at the, the Brewers as a club that in 2018 could be an interesting team. Um, financially, they're in a good spot to add when the time is right. And if they can hit on some of these young guys that they brought in, like they did with, say, a Johnny VR, um, I think that this could be a, you know, a club that in 2018 at least is, you know, threatens in, in the division and, and then becomes interesting after that. The, the only timetable that they've thrown out there, I'll, I'll just throw this out to, to end this thought, is they signed Craig Council this contract's extension, and it goes through 2020. So automatically everyone puts 2020 as this, you know, here's their window now to win with Craig Council as manager. Um, that, that's the closest that there has been to a concrete time frame. And I think certainly by 2020 they'd like to be a competitive team again. Now, Adam, at the risk of sounding completely ridiculous, but I'll, I'll throw this out there anyway, you mentioned you know the Cubs and the Astros and how for a number of years they both really bottomed out. We're talking triple-digit losses and – you know, now they're reaping the benefits of that entire teardown. The Cubs obviously on top of the world. The Astros uh, could get there fairly soon. Uh, is there a fear, I guess, among some Brewers fans that unless the Brewers really bottom out and unless they have a season where it's 100-plus losses and they really, you know, really tear this thing down to the ground to build it back up, that the team is really not going to achieve the heights of the Cubs or even the Astros and that maybe their ceiling is slightly something above mediocrity again, un- unless they completely tear it down and completely rebuild from the ground up and, and maybe suffer a season of a hundred plus losses. Again, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous because who wants to suffer through that, but do, do you kind of get what I'm saying here? Well, yeah, this is the tanking discussion. Is, is it wise to tank and really try to lose a bunch of games and get a high draft pick? But I'll give you the argument against that. Um, it's hard to do in baseball, number one. Uh, number two, there just aren't the guarantees in the baseball draft, you know, if you're drafting first or second, that you have in other sports. So bottoming out and losing doesn't guarantee you a Chris Bryant. And that, that's one of the, the, the troubles here. So the Brewers are going to – they're drafting ninth this year, for example. Now, I mean, you can't make the argument that it would have been better for them to lose more games in 2016 – they finished fourth. They, they never were close to, you know, contending. Um, you can make the argument that they, that they would have been wise to lose more games and get a really high pick. But, look, they're just going to have to draft smarter at that position. They're going to have to hit, like every team, they're going to have to hit on their picks where they pick, and you still can't get good players at nine. I think Javi Baez was a, a ninth overall pick. Um, you, you just need to really be uh, – you, you need to really hit on – on those selections because they're few and far between. And I, I don't, you know, I don't see the Brewers being worse in 2017 than they were significantly worse. So they're probably going to be in the same range again next year. And it's just incumbent now on the new scouting director, Todd Johnson. He's a more analytical approach, uh, video, uh, you know, met advanced metrics and all those things are going to be more in play on the amateur side, just as it is now for Milwaukee on the pro side in terms of scouting. 
uh, and it's it's on them to to make wise decisions. And uh, that's why drafting, not that it's never been important, but I think it takes on added importance uh, these days, especially when there's so much stock put into you know uh, farm hands and their potential, and whether it's guys coming up through your system that can contribute to a rebuild or guys that you could trade at some point to bring in an established star. Uh, drafting, I think, has never been more important than it is uh, these days, certainly. Uh, Adam, uh, to begin to wrap up here, of the new players that the team has acquired, you're talking about guys like uh, Eric Thames coming back from uh, overseas after a few successful years over there. You mentioned Tommy Malone, Travis Shaw also in the trade with the Red Sox. Uh, of those guys, who have you had the chance to speak with and what have been your takeaways from them? Well, we got to speak uh, pretty extensively with uh, Eric Thames because he came into Milwaukee, and, and Travis Shaw we spoke to after the Brewers made that trade. I haven't had a chance to speak with uh, Tommy Malone yet. Um, but, but with Shaw and, and Thames, really, I think the takeaway is opportunity. For Thames especially, I mean, this is a guy who spent the last uh, three years in South Korea putting up crazy numbers. Uh, he knows the challenge ahead in terms of coming back to Major League Baseball, facing a higher level of pitching, and basically proving that he is a better player than he was uh, the last time he swung a bat in a major league game, um, that he has uh, just developed as a player and a person since that time. So he has a huge opportunity ahead of him, and it comes with a little bit of security of a three-year deal with Milwaukee. I think he's very thankful for this opportunity, and it's a good fit and that it's a team in a position that it's able to give uh, a chance to a guy making a pretty intriguing comeback. And then to a lesser extent, I think the same can be said for Travis Shaw. Uh, you know, he's in Boston. You know, there's a question of what is going to happen with Pablo Sandoval. And Travis Shaw potentially could have found himself uh, being on the bench a lot. In Milwaukee, gets to come in and basically be the third baseman from day one. And um, it's, a, it's a, an opportunity for him. Uh, another player who is still somewhat a developing player, certainly not a finished product. Um, he's going to have to prove that he can hit left-handed pitching. That's been, uh, you know, he, he felt he was successful at that in a small sample early. Then his opportunities dwindled. He, he began to struggle a little bit more in Milwaukee. He should get the bulk of these at-bats, and he's going to get a chance to, to show that he can be an everyday player. Um, so, that you know, that's the benefit of being a rebuilding team uh, in terms of acquiring players is you can offer them opportunity. And uh, Jonathan VR is the perfect example of this, a guy who in Houston was kind of a, a role player off the bench, played all over the place. In Milwaukee, he gets to play every day and he has a career year. And all of a sudden, he's a player who you're, you know, not, not building around your franchise, but, but he's one of the core guys now uh, who's going to be here likely for a, a, a long period of time and um, perhaps see the, the backside of this rebuild. Uh, that's the... That's the aim for guys like uh, Eric Thames and uh, Travis Shaw, and they're going to be able to look right there on the infield at a player who was able to grab that opportunity. And speaking of uh, Jonathan VR, did he recently uh, steal home in the Dominican Republic? Did I read yes. that? In just you know, the highlight of the video for me was the uniforms down there are just <laughs> sensational. They are, uh, the, you know. But yeah, he's uh, and I've talked to him about stealing home. He has not done that in the big league. Has he attempted? Um, but. He has had uh, multiple steals of home in some of his minor league seasons, and I talked to him last year kind of about that skill and being allowed to turn loose. So that skill is in his back pocket, and uh, perhaps we will see it next year. A I, I was... steal of home is a great play, 
and um, I, I can't remember the last time I saw it in the big leagues. I know the the Padres of all teams pulled it off a couple yeah. of times last year. Uh, Travis Jankowski, I think, stole home maybe twice. Um, somebody else comes to mind, but he's the one that sticks out to me. I was going to ask uh, Adam: Has he attempted a steal of home as a major leaguer? He has. He has a steal of home as a major leaguer. He has at least one against Andy Pettit. Oh, that I know of. Wow. I, I'd have to go back and look at my story again, but he's done it in the big leagues. Oh, okay. I, I, I do know that in the minor leagues. He's had multiple. Mm. You know, he's done it multiple times. Something we hope to see in uh, 2017, along with a few more W's uh, for the Brew Crew as we gear up for a brand-new season. Good place to wrap this one up. Adam McKelvey, our thanks to you as always. We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, it's Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.